faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. Streets are uneven when you're down, when you're strained. Faces come out of the rain when you're strange. No one remembers your name when you're strange. When you're strange. When you're Strange people are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. Streets are uneven when you're down. tuned in to telling your story. I'm John and this week the topic is a little different. I'm going to be discussing over the next hour the history of how mental health was treated. So I'm going to be looking at some of the institutions used to treat mental health and also some of the things that caused various advancements in how mental health was treated. But first, here's Paloma Faith with Meet Your Own Kind of Music.
Make Your Own Kind of Music by Paloma Faith there. You're listening to Telling Your Story. I'm John and this week's topic is based around the history of how mental health was treated. When people think about how mental health is treated in the past, one place tends to get mentioned more than the others and that is Bethlehem Hospital, also sometimes known as Bedlam. Bethlehem was a hospital in the sense of how the world was used in the mid-13th century when it was first built, a place where people who could not take care of themselves were sent. This meant a lot of the intake were those who were mentally ill, and it soon became a place exclusively for treating those people, effectively becoming the first mental asylum or institution for treatment. Now, of course, this was the Middle Ages, and their view on how health conditions, both mental and physical, worked were a little primitive. It was thought throughout the Middle Ages until actually in the last one or two hundred years that mental health conditions work the same way as physical ones. There was something in the body causing the condition. In some ways, this is actually fairly logical because without knowing what the difference between a mental and a physical condition is, thinking that the mental condition worked the same way as the physical one, fairly logical there. Treatment for the conditions in the Middle Ages therefore tended to revolve around removing this fictional thing inside the body causing the mental health condition. This took the form of bleeding and vomiting among other things. Now, the reason why Bedlam gets such a bad reputation regarding its mental health treatment compared to all the other places that were treating mental health conditions in the same way is based primarily on the conditions of Bethlehem itself. Patients were treated in the same wars regardless of what condition they had and they were treated fairly poorly. Guards tended to treat them the same way as the worst elements of prison. We can actually thank a man called Edward Quaker, who was the one responsible for exposing the worst practices applied in Bedlam Hospital and beginning the transformation that led to the worst aspects of it getting stopped. Another problem Bethlehem had was that it was fairly poorly maintained. Bethlehem Hospital itself has been built and rebuilt multiple times over the course of the centuries. In fact, it's actually still active as a modern mental health institution. The incarnation most frequently associated with Bethlehem was built in 1676 and looked a bit like a palace. In many ways, this was kind of the point of it. It was a palace used as the modern, at the time, way of treating mental health patients. However, this palace was too big for its own good and not built very well, meaning that it began to crumble fairly quickly. It was also built on top of a sewer and that caused waste to seep into the place as well. Next, I'll talk about some of the people and events that caused a slight shift in how mental health was treated and viewed at the time.
best of me I'm only one but not alone my finest day is yet unknown I broke my heart for every game to taste the sweet I face the pain I rise and fall
Houston there. This is telling a story and this week I'm looking at how mental health has been treated throughout the ages. Now the first point in time when a more modern method of treating mental health started to be thought about in the 1700s which is actually fairly earlier than a lot of people would expect. One of the people that we can thank for this is William Tooke, who was born in 1732 and is in many ways the first person to create the modern idea of mental health treatment, being based around not using restraints if it can be helped and treating patients as uh, patients. He created one of the first public asylums called The Retreat. His grandson Samuel wrote a book about The Retreat and that helped popularise and publicise his grandfather's views. Born 13 years after Took was Philippe Penal. He was one of the first people to popularise the concept of treating mentally ill patients humanely. However, there is one other person around this time that should be brought up in regards to how mental health was viewed. And that person is George III. George III is, of course, known as the Mad King. The exact diagnosis of his condition is unknown. Some people have put forward the idea that it was a blood condition caused by arsenic poisoning, but the evidence for that is circumstantial. Well, admittedly, the evidence to say it was anything else is also circumstantial. But one of the other ideas put forward by modern analysis is he had bipolar disorder, the record of the king's symptoms include mania, bouts of depression and using various verbose and colourful language in writings. And these are symptoms of bipolar disorder. I bring this up because George III marked the point when mental illness was given such a profile and began to be considered something other than a thing that afflicted the lower classes. George III was treated in the same way as many others with mental illness at the same time, but this was also around the time when other methods of dealing with it were starting to be considered and got used. It is also interesting to note that he had a confrontation with two people who were similarly mentally ill, and the way he treated them and the way they were treated, gave him a lot of sympathy with the general public. In fact, most of the condemnation regarding the royal family's treatment of mental illness actually goes to George III's son, who was considered as using his father's illness as a way of gaining power. These events in the 1700s of what transformed mental health treatment from things like Bethlehem into the Victorian method, the asylums, which I'll talk about next. 
But first, here is the Verve with history. Feelings should not be in the 
mystery by the verb there. You're listening to Telling Your Story. I'm John, and I'm talking about the historical treatments for mental illness and the things that progressed various treatments for mental health. My next topic or point to discuss regarding historical advancements in mental health is the Victorian mental institutions. Now these do tend to get lumped in with Bethlehem Hospital as examples of the worst success of how mental patients were treated historically. That is primarily a result of the worst ones and the worst treatments used getting more prominence than others. In fact, the asylums of the Victorian area were intended to be a case of actually treating mental health conditions as health conditions. They put a legal duty on local authorities to treat the mentally ill. And campaigners in the late 1700s and the 1800s saw them as a better alternative to Bethlehem Hospital and what came before. And in many ways, that was correct. However, the problem was that there was a point where demand outstripped supply and it became harder to treat patients in the way campaigners would have liked because it was far easier to use restraints and other methods to deal with patients than to actually treat them. The Victorian asylums marked the point where psychiatry became an established medical practice Of course, they still had the problem of the fact that it was fairly primitive and not as investigated as much as physical conditions, primarily because there weren't fairly many people who had conditions that they classified as mental health conditions. However, that was about to change. My next topic after this next song will focus on the event that caused mental health treatment to progress to what we would term modern methods of treatment. (laughs) You live your life, you go day by day like nothing can go wrong These scars are made They're changing the game You learn to play it hard And I Oh, 
Telling Your Story on Cam Glen Radio. I can almost see it, that dream I'm dreaming, but there's a voice inside my head saying you'll never reach it. Every step I'm taking, every move I make feels lost with no direction. My faith is shaken, but I, I gotta keep trying. Gotta keep my head held high There's always gonna be another mountain I'm always gonna wanna make it move Always gonna be an uphill battle Sometimes I'm gonna have to lose It ain't about how fast I get there Ain't about what's waiting on the other side I'm facing the chances I'm taking sometimes I knock me down but no I'm not breaking I may not know it but these are the moments that I'm gonna remember most yeah just gotta keep going topic revolves around the progression and history of mental health treatments. The point at which mental health 
treatments and mental health in general came to the forefront of people's minds occurred during World War One and the prominent existence of shell shock. Now, shell shock had been reported in previous wars, but it was the First World War at which the number of soldiers suffering from it increased dramatically. Shell shock, uh, what we would now call post-traumatic stress disorder, was a dramatic shift in the focus of what a mental illness was and how it should be treated. The sheer number of sufferers also caused a lot of people to gain their first experience of a mental health condition and forced it to get discussed on the public stage. It also marked the first point in time in which people were forced to acknowledge that anyone could suffer from a mental health condition and that ordinary people could break down due to stress or other factors. Now, this is not to say that treatment for shell shock or post-traumatic stress disorder during World War I and its aftermath was always good. The name shell shock comes from the idea that shells had damaged the nerves of soldiers and this was primarily so that people could find a physical explanation for the condition so that they did not need to use psychiatry. While psychiatry did exist, it was mainly viewed with suspicion and that primarily was the result of the theories of Sigmund Freud who thought sexuality was a major part of psychiatry. His theories have also, while I'm on the topic, been disproved quite a number of times, primarily due to a small sample size. All of his patients used during his theories were middle-class white women for Venice, which is okay if you're a middle-class white woman, but not if you're male or black. The other problem people had regarding treatment of post-traumatic stress disorder in World War One was that the military did not want people using it as an excuse to get out of military service and thought that moral cowardness may play a role in it. The other problem was that some treatments were based on the idea that soldiers were lacking discipline or that they were losing their masculinity. Uh, This one primarily came about from the association between hysteria and women. Those who subscribed to these theories included a man named Louis Yelland, and he used methods akin to torture, including electroshock therapy, to remasculinize the men as it were. In fact, Yellen was actually a pioneer of electroshock therapies. However, in the midst of this, treatment involving psychology and what we would see as a modern view of treatment for mental health conditions started to appear. One of the main people who we should give credit for this is one Dr. W.H.R. Rivers who was the one who pioneered the use of psychiatry as a way to treat shell shock, noting that suspicion about the practice should not be used as a reason against it if it 
could be used to treat it, bearing in mind that at this point, all of the ways to find a physical explanation for shell shock had failed and all treatments, assuming it was a physical condition, had also failed. Weber said a lot to distance the practice of psychology from Freud's more controversial theories. He and a lot of other writers were also quick to disprove moral cowardness and the view of losing masculinity. Finally, people like Lewis Yelland were somewhat in the minority as a lot of the places used to treat shell shock victims looked more akin to a modern mental hospital even if some of the treatments they used weren't exactly what we would term as modern. Meanwhile, a number of treatments that they were used in these World War I hospitals involved physical exercise and giving the soldiers new hobbies. And those are things that we use as treatments for mental health right up to the present date. I've heard there was a secret chord That David played and it pleased the Lord But you don't really care for music, do you? Well, it goes like this The fourth, the fifth The minor fall The major lift The baffled king composing
This has been Telling Your Story. I'm John, and this week's topic was based around the history of mental health treatments. I hope you found it informative. Bye.
Cam Glen Radio, community announcements. Healthy and Happy is rolling out a programme to support women through their cervical smear appointments with GPs, as well as arranging more flexible evening appointments. This aims to increase the uptake of cervical screening appointments in Cambuslang and Rutherglen. To make an appointment, you can email lizzie at healthyandhappy.org.uk and lizzie is spelt L-I-Z-Z-Y. Flemington Hallside Parish Church is holding a free food collection drop-in every Thursday night from 9 to 10pm. This service is not a food bank, so you are able to drop in and get some fresh food which is aiming to cut down on food waste. There are no bags provided, so please bring your own. And finally, a new Ali Bali class from Healthy and Happy is running on Mondays from 11.30am to 12.15pm at number 18 venue on Farmlone Road. These are all about bringing stories to life through music and dance. Classes are £5 and can be booked by going to healthandhappy.org.uk. I'm David Cuthbertson and that's your community announcements on Cam Glen Radio. If you have an event or activity happening in Rutherglen or Campus Lang, let us know. Email whatson at camglenradio.org or for more events in your community, visit camglenradio.org local.